from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Surprise me to hear that J.C. Horn is in for the, for the Carolina Panthers, the defensive back. He is, he is legit. When you talk about one of the best lockdown corners in the NFL. Absolutely. The dude is. Like, is, legit, is legit that good. But you got to be able to play. It's also one of the reasons why, Chris, you don't trust people from South Carolina. <laughs> Here's my thing, though, with, with J.C. Horn. <laughs> Here's my thing with J.C. Horn, right? He was going. He played a lot at South Carolina. He was going through the draft process. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, offseason to work with the Carolina Panthers, three games in, stress fracture. You could see how that could happen, right? Probably not a lot of rest time for him in that year. And then the next year, plays a full year, no injuries, and then played gets his games, arm, yeah. arm hooked in. And on a tackle, and Jeremy Chin just absolutely pops the player and his arm, and he breaks his wrist. Mm-hmm. Like those things, man. Like that's why I don't. Uh, I, that's why I'm not trying to look at this current injury where he's missing the rest of OTAs because of an ankle injury. I don't want to say he's. I don't want to say he's injury prone. I don't want to say that. But when things start, I don't want to say. But that. when things start to linger, that's when. That's when things really start getting bad because we have those lingering injuries. That's when you start seeing other injuries pop up because your body's trying to compensate for those other injuries. So it wouldn't surprise me because he has that ankle foot injury yeah. that he's dealing with right now that all of a sudden you start hearing about a hip or something like that because you're starting to compensate. Your body starts to compensate. That's how this thing works, Chris. It's called the kinetic chain. Oh, I know all about it because of what my wife does. That's um, fair. That's true. You do. You know all about it. Let's let's talk about our four of a kind. Because yes, when we were talking about all these injuries earlier today. We we're like, mm-hmm. who's our first team All Pro always injured? Oh, I think we both know who our first <laughs> picks are. Go ahead. I want you to go first. I kind of want the draft chime to come in right here. Oh yeah, go um, ahead. But my first one, we just talked about him yesterday for non-injury related purposes. <laughs> Zion Williamson. Oh, yeah. Easily on my number one. Here's going to be a theme for for me. My theme is mostly going to be guys like these guys could have potentially been the GOAT or top 10 all time, but their injuries robbed that from them. Okay. And Zion Williamson probably came into the NBA with more hype than anybody than LeBron James. LeBron James had the most hype. Zion Williamson had the second most hype. And we haven't been able to see it because – of injuries he legit if he could play and when he does play he averages like 23 and like nine when he plays if he continues to play non-injured he could legit be one of the top 10 best players ever in the nba yeah a legit that's definitely legit for sure zion's definitely on my list for sure he's number one on a lot of porn stars list too (laughs) their hit list (laughs) <laughs> That's def- I'm just gonna leave it, leave it at that. Uh, no, <laughs> we found it. There it goes. <laughs> my girlfriend hates that chime, by the way. <laughs> she really does. My wife hates it too. Uh, also on my list, my four of a kind. Just again, the all injury prone team. Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. Man. Kawhi Leonard yeah, has man. not played more than 70 games in a season since 2016, 2017, when he was with the Spurs. Crazy. In 17, 18, he only played nine games. Now, 18, 19, played 60. Well, that was with the Toronto Raptors. Now, COVID cut cut short the 2019, 2020 season. So, I'll, I'll give slack in that regard. But only played 52 games each of the last two seasons. I was like, yeah, that dude has only played more than 70 games twice in his career. Kawhi Leonard always hurt. You cannot count on him. 
Talent through the roof. Through the roof. Can't count on him. He did have one really good playoff game this postseason. And I think it's the only one. I see. And he played in two. And he played in two postseason so games. So he's, he's, he's 50%. If Jeez. he's playing, 50% chance is going to be a really good time. Terrible. My second one on my list will be Grant Hill. Uh, oh, Grant man. Hill ended up having a long career despite his injuries. But if you read his book uh, that came out last year, I can't remember the name of it, but he has a memoir that came out last year. Uh, Grant Hill almost lost his life because of his injuries. That's true. Um, like His injuries were a lot more serious than, I, than what I think most people realize. It wasn't just ankle injuries. It, he almost lost his life just because of the way things were going down there. But he still was able to have, what, a 17-, 18-year career in the NBA despite mm-hmm. all of that. But he never ended up being the guy that you expected him to be. I said this to him when we interviewed him on the Coach State podcast. It's on YouTube, by the way, 99 on the fans' YouTube page. If he did, if he had an injury-free career, people would have compared LeBron James to him when LeBron came into the league. Yeah. Now, I think LeBron still would have um, went past Grant Hill, mm-hmm. but Grant Hill is probably the the LeBron James prototype. You're talking about a six foot eight small forward who could pass, shoot, athletic, get to the rim, all of that. Grant Hill probably a better shooter than LeBron. LeBron more athletic than Grant Hill. But, man, Grant Hill would have been one of the GOATs in the NBA, I guarantee you. My third one, Tracy McGrady. Oh, man. Just another guy. Like It's funny how we're going all NBA here, it feels like. This is, again, somebody who was the prototype before somebody else. Tracy McGrady was KD before KD was ever a thing. Like that tall guy who just ridiculously skilled, could shoot really well, could get you off the dribble. Uh, Oh, my God. Trace McGrady, if he hadn't been injured, would have been amazing. Next on my list, Anthony Davis. That dude is always hurt. You're talking about someone who has had dealt with shoulder. He's missed games in his career because of multiple shoulder, hip, knee, ankle, Achilles, wrist, and hand injuries. He's missed a glass. Like oh. if you if you blow too hard, he will be injured. Uh, yeah, uh, honestly, it's like the the guy stands there for a free throw, and I feel like he's going to get hurt. <laughs> I, it, like seriously, if you actually look at his career as well, he has not played more than seventy games since 2017, 2018. Sometimes there, he's only played over seventy games twice in his career. Sometimes I wonder, like after his career is over, if if we could do a deep dive into like the construction of his body, right? Yeah. Like you remember, like he was somebody who had a crazy growth spurt. Like I think um, his junior year in high school, if, I, if I'm not mista- mistaken, he was like six one, six two, and all of a sudden he he like shot up, yeah, and became like one of the most sought after recruits because he ended up being seven feet tall, mm-hmm. and it happened super quick, and it makes me wonder what kind of stress that put on his body, especially with the way that he plays basketball. Um, Final one here on my list, Chris, Reggie Bush. Oh, Reggie Bush in the yes. NFL is always getting hurt. Man, yes. he was so fun to watch at USC. Very fun. Yeah, I'm telling you, like, young kids, if you're listening, go look up Reggie Bush, USC, and the highlights. Yeah. Bro. I was that, – that US, Those USC teams are early 2000s, Matt Leiner, Lendell White, his linebackers like Clay, Clay Matthews, all them, just – as this a Panthers fan, so I was so upset when, when the Saints got him. I was like, this guy's about to run all over us. Yeah. Uh, my final one, Derrick Rose. Man. In the NBA, imagine you remember that vacuum that was left after Jordan retired mm-hmm. in 98. And then it wasn't really until, like, 2003 when LeBron came in that, it, you, that we started to feel like 
yeah, here's somebody who could really take his spot. You cut, you had Shaq, you had Kobe, but it was them together. You never felt like that one person could have it. And, of course, Chicago, they were looking for that next star to really sink their teeth into after uh, Michael Jordan was done in Chicago. Derrick Rose was supposed to be that guy. But his playing style, his six foot two frame, and the way he's just how violent he played the game just didn't work with his knees. No. Just never really worked for him. I get, he played 81, 78, 81 games his first three years in the NBA. Then 2011, 2012, only played 39, missed all of 12, 13 because of the ACL. Yeah. Then the following season, only played 10 games. And since that torn ACL, since 2011, 2012, the year before he tore the ACL or missed that full season, so only played in in 50-plus games three times. But you're looking at times where he's just played seven games, seven games. Uh, it, it's just nine games. It, it just, yeah, you're talking about a guy who just, body just broke down. He's still only 34 years old. <laughs> That's great. It's that amazing. is crazy to think about. He's still only 34 years old. And that guy's career just derailed super fast. So that's the thing about a lot of these guys, You, when it comes to the NBA or just pro pro sports in general, being available, being ready is the biggest thing that you can have. It's your biggest asset. Your availability is your biggest what's – the, what's the term? Whatever it is. Uh, availability is your best uh, – Is your best ability. Ability. Yeah. 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 There it is. You had one NFL guy, but I thought it was interesting how we both – Basically, this was all NBA guys, but I think it's big. The NBA guys who end up being uh, chronically injured mm-hmm. ends up having a larger impact because you you count on those guys a lot more. Yeah. NFL, somebody's injured, you could probably make up for it. But when your star in the NBA is injured and that's out, like Tracy McGrady, Grant Hill being injured, that literally tanks a team, an entire team. Yeah. Because you're counting on that guy being available. You're building around. You're building around those guys. Welcome to 99.9 The Fan. I'm Chris Lee. That is Dennis Jamel Cox. Graham Hill over there on the ones and twos, making sure we sound so, so, so sweet. Um, you guys ready? Let's hit this. Let's hit it and quit it. All right, last night, Dennis. Um, history. History was made on history the court. Game three between the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat in the NBA Finals. Of course, uh, the Nuggets won, but while they won, 109-94. Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray became the first duo to ever register a 30-point triple-double in NBA Finals history. Which is NBA history in general. It is NBA history in general? It is NBA history in general. That's finals, postseason, regular season, all of NBA history. Truly the first time that has happened. That is ridiculous, and that's going to be very, very hard to stop. Heat head coach Eric Spolster talked about what went wrong. They just pummeled us in the paint. They didn't. They didn't really have to shoot threes. Uh, they had whatever sixty in the paint. Um, they probably shot over sixty-five percent uh, at the paint at, at the rim. Um, there wasn't a need to space the floor. Um, we didn't offer much resistance, uh, and a lot of those plays were relief points in transition that kind of gave them uh, some separation, some cuts, some timely uh, cuts, uh, and then timely offensive rebounds that led to uh, either buckets or, or free throw attempts. Game four is Friday at 8.30, and game four will be an elimination game for the Heat. Now, it's not actually an, el- an elimination yeah. game, 
But if the Nuggets win that one, they go up 3-1 heading back to Denver. It's done. This thing is over, Dennis. It's done. I'm with you 100% on that. By the way, we talked about yesterday how about Mike Malone, the head coach of the Denver Nuggets, questioned his team's effort after their game two loss, mm-hmm. the 111-108 loss in Denver where that tied the series. Well, guess what? Jimmy Butler talked about lack of effort for the Miami Heat. You mentioned the effort. Why do you think it was so lacking tonight? I don't know. I can't answer that. Uh, maybe, you know, we're at home. We think we did something. I, I don't know. It just can't happen. It won't happen again. It starts with myself. Um, you know, I got to lock in on a defensive end. I got to go up and, and, and get loose balls. So um, I think if I start playing and doing that, then everybody else has to follow suit. Crazy. Yeah, it's it's amazing that we're hearing questions about effort from both teams now. In the NBA Finals. In the NBA Finals. It's ridiculous. It's wild. Let's quit that. Let's hit this. I hit it so good. You know, going down to Miami, it's June. I bet the weather down there feels great. You don't have to worry about the air problems with these Canadian wildfires. I don't think that's reached all the way down there in South Beach right now. But something that a lot of players, when they go to South Beach, yeah, they go enjoy South Beach, right? I'm about to take the coop to Collins. That's what Lil Wayne said, and that's what a lot of people do. They go to Collins Avenue yeah, and just drive. Yeah, they do. And pick up things along the way. That You know what? There are things to be picked up. Well, you know what? <laughs> the Denver Nuggets said, no, we're not going to go do that. We got something bigger and more important to do. They actually hung out at their teammate Jeff Green's house down in South Beach. They went the opposite direction of South Beach. They went 30 minutes away from oh, South I Beach say that. Yeah. Uh, to Jeff Green's house to hang out. Jeff Green, he's a veteran at NBA. He's been all around the league, it mm-hmm. seems. And uh, he had a, a private chef there for them. And he also found this out. Also held like a, a little bit of a mini camp before the season started for some of their younger players at his place. Nice. This same place that he hosted all of his teammates. It was a time for everybody to come together. And apparently the next day in film session, as they went over what went wrong for them in game two, mm-hmm. apparently it was a together process. Everybody uh, was in on it. There was no fighting. There was nobody upset at the other person. Everybody was able to point out what they did wrong and they took accountability and it led to a huge a dominant win game yesterday. three win last night. Uh, head coach Mike Malone of the Nuggets spoke about Jokic and Murray and, of course, their huge triple-double that they both had. I've been with Nikola for eight and uh, Jamal with, uh, for seven years now. And we've been, you know, we've had some pretty good moments, but not in the NBA Finals. And for those guys to make history the way they did tonight, uh, no one's ever done that. I mean, that's what's really neat about it. You get the win. I thought our defense was fantastic tonight. You hold that team to 94 points, 37 from the field, only 11 threes. Um, you know, that, that, that really helped us out tonight, the defending and rebounding at a high level. But um, by far their greatest performance as a duo in their seven years together. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this. Bryce Young, QB1. He already took – he's taking his first team reps today, mm-hmm. um, you know, before – practice ever started uh head coach frank reich of the carolina panthers said that uh you know andy dalton he's going to be the vet he's going to take the first team reps when bryce young is ready well he's going to take the first team reps then wouldn't say when that was going to happen people kind of thought maybe later on in the season well no it happened in the third week of otas yeah and so now you can essentially call bryce young the first 
quarter, the, the, the number one quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. And things seem to be looking really good. But, Dennis, is he going to lay a, an egg in week one? We don't know. What, what should we expect from them when he finally gets on the field uh, to play an actual NFL game? Well, expect struggle. I mean, every rookie quarterback I expect to struggle. Just simple as that. I just want to know, is like, okay, you're going to make mistakes along the way, but do, are you adapting and learning from those mistakes? The big question is, he's meeting all the expectations, right? He's meeting every single bear, or, uh, every single bar that's been set for him. He's been reaching that. He's yes. been expectations in terms of picking up the playbook, film study, execution on the field. He's hitting every single one of those expectations. But, yeah, Chris, when he goes out there week one, he throws four interceptions possibly, and he doesn't mm. reach those expectations. Now mm. what's the question? You know, it's again, he's going to struggle. He's a rookie. But also our, the, the coaching staff has to make sure they're not putting too much on his plate too early. The good thing is he has players, uh, coaches on his coaching staff that played in the NFL before, so they can definitely help him out. And Bryce Young talked earlier today about how they have helped to handle his process so far. I think the coach has done a great job of, you know, how they've how they've approached, um, you know, coaching me, coaching quarterback room, um, you know, challenging me when they feel like it's appropriate, dialing things back when they feel like appropriate. And again, I, I have complete trust in, in them, and you know, I appreciate the challenge. I love the challenge, and I feel like being able to have the coaching staff and players that I do around me um, is what you know pushes me and allows me to, um, you know, process it and uh, get through it. And there's still a lot of growth that I want to do, but uh, I'm excited for that. One thing we're also hearing a lot of Chris from players from his teammates. And it's to be expected to an extent of, yeah, this guy's actually taking command of the huddle. Oh, yeah. This guy clearly knows his stuff. He's confident, and we have confidence in him. Sometimes it could be if, if players are trying to skew things in a positive sense and be like, well, yeah, you know, he's going through his rookie mis- – you know, he's he's still a rookie. He's learning, you know, doing all this kind of stuff. But, you know, he shows flashes. It's of – no, this guy is actually taking control. Those guys talk about him. His teammates talk about him like he's been there before. Yeah. Like with this team for a long time. I mean, even today, reports out of Charlotte, uh, and this wasn't filmed because it wasn't allowed, but reports out of Charlotte said that there was a great play that he had on a deep route to DJ Chark, and mm-hmm. it looked amazing. Amazing throw, and, yeah. the, and it was accurate right there for uh, DJ Chark to catch. And he even said today himself, he was like, he was asked, what kind of ball does he throw? He's like, it's accurate. It's right there. It's not too hard. Like, this is one of the easiest balls I've ever had to catch. And then, apparently, he had a really good throw, a few really good throws to Terrace Marshall Jr. I think the Carolina Panthers are going to be in good hands. Let's quit that. Let's hit this. Your guy. My guy? From South Carolina. Oh, God. J.C. Horn. Is injured. He's going to miss the last week of uh, OTAs. Will also miss uh, mandatory mini camp. The Panthers basically telling him, "Hey, come back for training camp, healthy and all that." This will be the third injury that we know of, Dennis. The last two ended his seasons early, mm-hmm. but you say that he's injury prone. Well, I don't believe so. I tell, prove to me otherwise that he's not. That's the thing. It's like I look and see. Breaks has a stress fracture in his foot, which sometimes is compounding over time is where a stress fracture can come. And those kinds of things linger. Those don't heal super easily. So a stress fracture in his foot plays in only three games in his rookie season. Last season plays 13 games, but again, has the injury with the wrist like you had mentioned. I would say that's a little bit more of a fluke thing because, again, that was Jeremy Chin coming in and hitting him. But now we're seeing here in the offseason 
an ankle slash foot injury that happened while he was training at home before OTAs, the most recent OTAs. So it's an ankle foot injury that soft tissue, no surgery required. They hope that he's back fully ready to go start a training camp. But we saw last year with training camp that he had to deal with some lower body stuff, including lingering effects of that foot injury. Well, like well early in the last season. So 10 months, like still having like, these things are still lingering. You just mentioned it. Uh, a stress fracture is something that can compound over time. Mm-hmm. You never know when it can come. And uh, that's something that anybody can really deal with, right? And then the fluke injury last year with the wrist, when he broke his wrist, trying to tackle a player. Jeremy Chin comes in at the same time, smacks the player hard, also breaks uh, J.C. Horn's wrist in the process. We don't know what this injury is. They didn't specify what it is. Maybe he just simply rolled his ankle jumping and coming down, which also can happen to anybody. I don't think this uh, classifies as injury prone. If he misses the entire season or a big chunk of this upcoming season, then I'll be with you. He will be injury prone at that point. Well, but I don't I don't think you can call him that because right now we don't know what that injury. It could be something really simple. It could be something very small and the Panthers are just taking extra precaution to keep him off of his feet. You say they can happen to every anybody, which is true, but they all seem to keep happening to him. Let's quit that. Let's hit this. You're killing me, Petey. Brian, me. Brian Burns is not, no longer going to be number 53. No. He's going to be number zero. So just I'm Im- looking forward to this. Just imagine. I mean, you, you have your Spider-Man uh, you know, dunks out here right now. Oh, those are Jordan 1, sir. Make sure you get that uh, correct. Uh, Jordan 1s, excuse me. Imagine, He's a big Spider-Man fan. Imagine Brian Burns. Spider-Man Jordans with the number zero on the back for Brian Burns. Give them to me. <laughs> <laughs> Give them to me. Now, now I just realized that when next time I go to Capital BSD, I need to see if I can find myself a pair of Carolina Panther-colored Jordan Ooh. 1s. Ooh. What Give do you think about me. the number change, though? I mean, there's we've been seeing that a lot over the last few years, and as uh, with the NFL allowing players to uh, break out of their what would be normal numbers, like Shaq Thompson was, 54. He ends up being number seven as a as a linebacker. Now, JC, uh, not JC, or Brian Burns mm-hmm. will go from fifty three to number zero. What do you think about that? I think it's pretty cool, actually. I think it's an opportunity for the NFL to really allow players to express themselves in a different way because mm-hmm. the NFL doesn't really allow much in terms of the uniform for players to be individual. Yeah. And this is an opportunity for me as a player it's is a that like, I can wear whatever number I really want to. Some exceptions really still with the offensive line. But as a receiver, like we saw with uh, DJ Moore, got to wear number two. Got to wear a single-digit number, which was only exclusive to punters and quarterbacks. Kickers, kickers, punters, and quarterbacks. That's all it was. But now you can start wearing different numbers. Uh, I think it's kind of cool that we could see Brian Burns wearing a number zero. Again, part of the self-expression. Shaq Thompson wearing number seven. I thought that's super cool. Yeah. I, to see to see players being able to do that, I think is a form of self-expression that the NFL truly does lack. I do think that, that exactly they they're lacking that individuality, and I think that's what kind of helps sell things more, right? Yeah. Why do you think people are are in love with NBA stars outside of the fact that they can see their face mm-hmm. more? It's because they are able to express themselves. They are able to have individuality, and I think that the with NFL shoes and things like that yeah. needs to kind of go back to that a little bit. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this. All right. Dalvin Cook. Minnesota Vikings running back. Running back back extraordinaire from Mm -hmm. the Minnesota Vikings. 
of course, uh, looked really good at Florida State during his time at Florida State. He has been informed that he will be released by the Minnesota Vikings. Should Dennis Jamel Cox, the Carolina Panthers, go after Dalvin Cook? If he's available on a minimum contract, sure, why not? 100%. Absolutely, why 100%. not? Because I have no problem with – I mean, they got $27 million in cap space. Why not bring him in for one year to be a compliment with Miles Sanders? Chuba Hubbard, I've seen enough of him. It's like, okay, you could be a third running back. That's fine, but he can't catch the ball out of the backfield very well. Now, he drops a lot of passes. That's one of the reasons why Christian McCaffrey had to stay on the field so darn long because Chuba Hubbard wasn't a reliable backup in that regard. I'd be 100% willing to go to put him in. Dalvin Cook, actually, this past season was the first season in his career where he actually played all, well, this say 17 games. Yeah, speaking actually, of injury yeah, prone. Speaking of injury prone, but here's the thing. That guy's been productive. He's had 1,100-plus yards in each of the last four seasons, including in 2019, he had 13 touchdowns. 2020, he had 16 touchdowns on the ground. Pass catching, he catches roughly around 35, 40 passes a season. So he's he's competent in terms of pass catching as well. So to be a number two running back to Miles Sanders, sure. If the money's right, absolutely. So he's not probably going to take something that is minimum, right? I don't think no. he's going to take the bare minimum. But something that isn't too uh, taxing towards a team, and I agree with you. If they, if it's there, if it's available, absolutely take them. And here's one of the reasons why, Dennis. We were talking about this a couple days ago, where the Carolina Panthers under Christian McCaffrey had a hard time getting that one yard mm-hmm. when they needed it, when they needed to move the chains, when they needed to get that touchdown at the end of games. And Dalvin Cook, even though he's not very big, he's not bigger than Miles Sanders. They're both, he's he's 5'10", 210. They're both the same size. Yeah. But now if you have two of those guys, you have Dalvin Cook and Miles Sanders, you never have to put uh, your guy, uh, Bryce Young, in any type of harmful situation. And now you have two different guys that can run the ball and you never know. Imagine that, fourth and one, Miles Sanders, Dalvin Cook in the backyard, and that's going to put so much stress on the defense, you don't know where that ball is going to go. You know, actually, someone, you talk about that short yardage running back that the Carolina Panthers need. You know who that guy might be? Actually, might already be on their roster. Cameron Peoples, the rookie they signed undrafted out of App State. That's very true. I I was at the game against Georgia State back in October, and I saw that dude running at the goal line and powering through guys. Now, I understand it's it's group of five competition, whatever. I saw that dude run through guys, and he stands at 6'1", legit 6'1", 215, 220. That's very true. The guy might already be on your roster. Let's quit that. Let's hit this. CP3 going to be gone? Is he going to be a Charlotte Hornet? Can we bring it back to the state of North Carolina, Chris? Um, I doubt he's going to play for the Hornets. I would love Chris Paul and also Steph Curry uh, to have their swan song in Charlotte. That would be That'd really be cool. Awesome. Uh, but realize that we're going to get the old versions of them. We're not going to get what but we've still, seen on the court. it's still tickets. Um, Chris Paul has been informed by, and he had a meeting with the Phoenix Suns, the team that he signed with. Of course, he's a Winston-Salem native, went to Wake Forest. A lot of NC State people hate him because of an incident with, uh, with Julius Hodge. Hodge. Uh, Where he cup-checked him. Yeah. Apparently, Julius Hodge said something to him as well with that, but let's not get into that. No. Um, Chris Paul may be waived by, I believe it's June 28th is the date. Yes. Um, and, and so what is happening right there, you have four players with the with the Phoenix Suns who are all making over $30, 000, $30 million a year. That is something that they are not going to be able to afford. So, Chris Paul, we may have to waive you, sign you back to a lower contract or Chris Paul we may have to waive you and you're just available to sign with another team 
Stephen A. Smith said that Chris Paul needs to be with a contender. Perfect scenario would be staying in Phoenix. Obviously, if Phoenix is not an option, you've got the Lakers. I'd look at that, if, particularly if they waived him. You're hearing noise about Damian Lillard and, you know, what Aiden and Paul and Picks. Can't see that happening, to be quite honest with you. But you put it out there because that's what the kind of stuff that you hear. In the end, here's the bottom line. He's 38 years of age, one of the greatest point guards in NBA history. He's got to be in a position where he's competing for a championship. It's really, really that simple. He's earned that and I hope he stays in a situation whether it's Phoenix or somewhere else where he's going to be in a situation competing for a championship. All right, so that's Stephen A. Smith talking about going to a contender for Chris Paul. Mm -hmm. 100% with you in that. Now, the reason why you mentioned that June 28th date, the reason why that is is significant is because as of right now, he's set to make about $30.8 million. Chris Paul. About half of that just just under $16 million is guaranteed for this upcoming season. On June 28th, it becomes fully guaranteed. So that's the reason why that June 28th is like a, quote-unquote, essentially a deadline yeah. for, for the Phoenix Suns to either potentially trade Chris Paul or to waive him. That's, why, again, why June 28th is a, is a significant date. I think it actually happens before the draft. Absolutely. I think it happens before the draft because there might be a team that's floating around out there that might move a pick this season and maybe some other picks. Like, for example, teams that might have a multiple second-round picks that they can move to the Phoenix Suns and then future first, along with other players to go into Phoenix. Well, here's And also to, maybe get a player with that as well. Here's something to think about, though. Why am I going to move picks to get him at his current deal, paying him at 30, when he possibly could be available for a lot less? Yeah. So I don't know if a trade is even in the scenario here. I agree with There's you. There's a lot of teams who could just be waiting to see, like, see if he gets waived, and then we'll shoot our shot after that. And maybe another team like the Lakers can become a little bit more, I guess, attractive to somebody like Chris Paul. Wait, he could sign then, for a veteran minimum. Then, then what the Phoenix Suns would be. So we'll see what happens. Let's quit that. Let's hit this. Damn! We haven't really talked about this today, but uh, Stanley Cup Finals Game 3 yes. tonight, Knights at Panthers. Uh, Knights finally going on a the road. They've been dismantling the Panthers in the last few they games. 12 goals in two games. 5-2, to two, then 7-2. to two. Sergei Bobrovsky actually got pulled in Game 2. Crazy. Got pulled in Game 2. And we all remember as Canes fans what he <laughs> did against the Canes. Like, wait a second. Where was that guy Where was two that weeks guy? ago? Where was that guy? What do you see happening tonight in this game? I honestly think that the Florida Panthers are going to, being on home ice, they're going to be able to control the matchups with faceoffs uh, better than what they were able to do in Vegas. I think we get a bounce-back game from Sergey Bobrovsky. It would not surprise me if Florida Panthers actually try and make this a super low-scoring 2-1 to type game because right now Vegas right. is finishing all of their chances. It's the very thing that the Carolina Hurricanes did not do against the Florida Panthers, which is why we're not talking about the Carolina Hurricanes playing right now. So if they can hold them like they did the, the Hurricanes, mm-hmm. then I think that the Panthers can win tonight. I predicted yesterday a Nuggets win. I'm predicting a Florida Panthers win tonight. 3-2. Three to 3-2 two. Three to two Florida Panthers. I still I still think in a series, though, that the Knights get Oh, this. yeah. Vegas is going to win this Probably series. Probably six games. Yep. That was my original prediction. Vegas and six. All right. Let's quit that. Let's hit this. Bruh. We just spoke to him a little bit ago, but Lumberton 14-year-old Ivan Lopez, he's in. He's just finishing his last year of, of middle school right now. Yeah. And he's going to be signing with the it's New England wild. Revolution, and he's going to become a professional, going to bypass high school, just become a professional in soccer. Props to that young man. Shout pursuing, out to him. Pursuing your dream. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this. Let's hit this. 
You like that? You like that? Let's talk about this really quick with the with the smoke. Okay. Um, Belmont, they canceled yep. some of their racing today. Uh, the uh, Washington Nationals postponed their Thursday home game, which is tonight, versus the Diamondbacks uh, due to poor air quality. Dennis, we are seeing a little haze outside uh, right oh, yeah. now. Like, how do you think this potentially impacts the weekend? If the Belmont can't run this weekend, mm-hmm. that's huge. Oh, yeah, and the, for people that love to bet on horse racing and pretend that they actually care about horse racing, uh, it's a big <laughs> thing for them. I, I still don't buy the fact that people actually watch horse racing. But nevertheless, uh, it's still something that's impacting sporting events all throughout the Northeast, and we're seeing it happen down here. There's still a code orange alert. Uh, make sure you follow WREL Weather and WREL News for the Absolutely. latest updates regarding air quality and all that. But it's a real thing. Uh, that people have to deal with, and again, it's something that's out of our control. The air quality is bad. All this—it's—it's it's mind-blowing that wildfires in Canada are impacting things down here in North Carolina. It shows how powerful um, this Earth is. Yeah. At the end of the day. I mean, um, you know, we had, remember the Saharan dust from Africa that kind of came over us? I think that was last year or two years ago. Yeah. So, I mean, th- that things that are happening other places can definitely impact us. But here's the thing that I want to say to people out there. If you are going to wear a mask for COVID, if you're going to be outside and you're in an area and it's code red or code orange, wear, probably wear a mask for this. And if you're prote- going to be outside for a long time, protect yourself. Mm-hmm. This isn't about like, you know, keeping things from other people like it was for COVID. This is more so about self-protection. If you're going to be outside for a long period of time, wear a mask. Please protect yourself. The NCAA admitted they made a, quote, big mistake by not setting up framework for NIL compensation. (gasps) What? Oh, my gosh. The NCAA admitted they made a mistake. That is breaking news, actually. Oh, my. Because that doesn't happen very often. Well, this is also coming from uh, their new president, Charlie Baker. Mm -hmm. Of course, Mark Emmert was the president that was sitting for the NCAA when NIL became a thing. And by sitting, he literally just sat there. He literally (laughs) just sat there and took it and let it happen. So here's the thing. Let's just kind of refresh you. It was two summers ago where the uh, NCAA said, okay, starting on July 1st, if you are a college athlete, you could start making money from your name, image, and likeness. Mm-hmm. This was a reactionary move because, as you were talking about over the break, Dennis, there are certain states that are already starting to pass. Hey, if you're in our state, you can make money off your name, image, and likeness. We don't see any any problems with yeah. that. Yeah, and anyone else can do it. Why can't a college athlete? So that was also going to become a problem when it came down to recruiting, right? Because if you could do this in one state and not the other, like, you couldn't do it in North Carolina, but maybe you could do it elsewhere. Well, I'm not going to come to Duke or North Carolina or NC State or Wake Forest. I'm going to go to another school. Mm-hmm. That can impact conferences. That can impact schools. All that. That's a huge thing. So the NCAA, part of this was good, but part of it was not good. Said, okay, NIL is, is available for all college athletes right now. But there was never a framework put around it. There were never what kind of framework? real – there were never real rules put around it. The only thing really was, as a head coach, you couldn't go use NIL as uh, an inducement for recruiting. Okay. And that's the only framework you should need, in my opinion. But you, what, what other framework should be there? But like, you also shouldn't be able to have, let's say, someone else from your school or organization talk to kids who are currently 
Well, at other schools. Well, here's the thing. Those are called to say, hey, you can come over here. But that's what's happening, though. Well, that's why some people well, are yes. deciding to like, hey, let me just leave the school a year early because they said over there they could pay me a few thousand more. All right. Well, that's that's two things that those are parallel things regarding NIL when it comes to college athletics. You're talking about tampering from other schools to induce other players to come in. That's tampering. That's different than framework regarding guardrails of what players are allowed to make. No, they are two different no, no, things. No, no, no. I'm not talking about guardrails. As far as what players are allowed to make, yeah, that's not what but I'm. This talking is about. what he's. This is what he's talking they, about. No, no, no. They want Charlie Baker wants the government to step in and try to potentially pass something to help them with the framework, and it's mostly about the rules around it, so they can make sure things aren't aren't illegally happening, like inducements or, or whatever. So this is this comes from the Washington. Or, okay. Sorry, this comes from the Associated Press. NCAA President Charlie Baker said today, Thursday, he wants a federal law to regulate the way college athletes can be compensated for endorsement deals that creates a registry of deals, agent certification, and uniform contract standards. That's guardrails. And also those you, are guardrails. You also, you also need to make sure that schools know what they can and can't do as well. And I think that schools goes know. along with it because it says that goes along with how athletes, the way athletes can be compensated. To me, to me, that goes all in together. That nah, is all I, in that, together. To me, that's two separate things. You think so? Yes, because I think that's all in together. No, tampering, tampering was already illegal. Because here's the thing: you have to have but a release, but it's or happening. be in the transfer portal. It was already happening before the transfer portal and all that. that tampering and all that kind of stuff. For example, like, hey, uh, as a coach, if you're my player, Chris, I can say, hey, can you DM so and so? Or you go to their trainer, or they're like as a way of like, hey, ask if they're open to potentially coming here. There's been workarounds that that people have been doing for tampering for years before NIL. Yes. That's different. Those that's NCAA regulation regarding tampering. What he's talking about here, he wants federal legislation in regards to again agent registry, contract standards, as well as registry of deals. I'm sorry, I don't have to register my NIL you deal to the. You government. don't think contract standards are also included in? Hey, you know what? This school, let's say like Oregon, for instance, of course they're in bed with who? Nike, because of Phil Knight. Mm-hmm. Phil Knight can't say can say like, hey, talk to this school to see if this kid come over here. We'll give him a million dollars for it. That's contract standards, right? And that also goes along with tampering. So I think all, that's what I'm saying. All of this is included in there. Mm. That is all of that. I, I think they're trying to control again what the athletes can and cannot do. Because you also don't want to have a situation where like now you're starting to have these large, large, large pieces of money starting to come and and be able to pull athletes simply because of that. Like so that's what that's a part of the framework. That is all a part of this framework. But anyway, Charlie Baker, he's wanting uh the House and Senate to move something through this fall because what is next year? It's an election year. So it's probably not going to happen then. Everybody's going to be trying to, uh, you know, out there trying to get their job backs, <laughs> jobs back mm-hmm. on the uh, on the elections uh, on the uh, uh, campaign trail. Yeah. So it's probably not going to go through the next year. And so the NCAA it, is admitting that they made a mistake not putting any framework well, around it. Honestly, f- federal legislation, like I I know Jim Phillips has been on Capitol Hill multiple times. You know what they've told them? Go kick rocks. Go kick rocks. These these players don't have to register anything. You know why? Because they can operate themselves as a private business. They can establish an LLC for themselves. I definitely agree with that. So, I'm sorry. They're not going to put in any sort of framework regarding what these players are allowed to do. The only thing I would sit there and maybe potentially buy is an agent registry just to make sure that agents are – 
again, not being frauds, that I'm actually probably okay with. But otherwise, no, I don't need to register my deals or have any cr- contract standards. No. No, they're, for they're, NIL, get out of here. If you want to NCAA want to be have more enforcement of your tampering rules when it comes to going out and getting players, fine. Put that stuff in yourself to establish with the NCAA. You don't need federal legislation for that. What, federal legislation has no business when it comes to NIL. What if it's contract standards based off of how the athlete will benefit, right? What do I you think, mean? I think you're thinking of it from a standpoint, and maybe I'm completely wrong on this, but I'm thinking about contract standards as in, like, this contract needs to have this to protect this player. Such as what? Either a, a certain amount of guaranteed money um, or, like, other things that are, can, can be uh, added into there as far as maybe maybe this is something where it could help players get jobs afterwards. We've seen WWE give people NIL deals, and mm-hmm. it equals jobs afterwards. The Cavender Twins, you saw them taking uh, pictures in the ring the other day down yeah. in NXT. Maybe it has something to do with that as well, where it's not just the money p- aspect of it, but it's also taking care of the kid's future. Now, maybe that's just me being pie in the sky and everything's going to be okay. But I would think that that is a part of the whole thing and not just capping what players are making. The, the way I read this, the way I read this, because, again, NIL has become a big new arms race with, with the state lawmakers putting things together years ago. I, mean, I remember, like, Florida and California being like, yeah, do this. The bigger thing I'm reading into this is that they want to control how players make money on their NIL deals. This has not to do – my opinion, this doesn't have to do with tampering. That I'm against. I'm against uh, – Exactly. I'm against how. Otherwise, why do you want federal legislation? And I'm also against tampering. Like, otherwise, why are you going to federal legislation to enforce your already written rules regarding tampering in the NCAA? You don't need federal reg- legislation But for technically, that. they can't enforce the tampering because they've allowed people to make money. So that's the part where you can I think enforce they need, tampering. That's the part that they need to – because there's no actual – now that you have – uh, name, image, and likeness here. There's nothing that is illegal about uh, a coach now offering money. You saw what happened to NC State back in the day, right? If that was right now, that is not Ill- that's not against the rules. So now they're trying to figure out how can we make this literally illegal against the law to do this. Uh, yeah, and, and that's not different. It. Not, and not I, I think that's that. also what they need help with. Because here's here's how coaches and teams are getting around the tampering stuff. I know we got to go to break. There's always going to be a work. Well, well, but, so but that's There's that's always going to be a work. That's around. what they're doing but right you also, now. But you need to at least have a law like this. You sound like the people um, who are against like gun laws. Like people are like, well, people are always going to get guns. Yes, we get that. But if at least there's a law in place, it helps prevent some things that may happen in the future. I don't know how you're going to be. I I don't federal legislation in terms of tampering to get players on another school. Yeah. Like for example, like Jordan Addison going from Pitt to USC, like. Did somebody, like, did another player on that team get told by a coach to contact a trainer to get in touch with Jordan Addison? I don't know how that all worked out, but I'm sorry. You don't need federal we legislation have a smart for government. That. They can figure out how a lot of things happen, man. Yeah, but I don't we need can figure federal out how legislation. A lot of things happen under the, undercover. I don't need – federal legislation was never – never should have been involved with – tampering regarding getting one player to go from one school to another to transfer. No, I don't if need it federal legislation if it, for that. If it involves large sums of money, doesn't matter. Maybe. Doesn't matter. Maybe. Doesn't matter because those things still have to be business deals by businesses to player. Those still have to be business deals done by business to and player. And a business should not be in a part of that. There should be – you should want to go to a school because you want to go to that school. Then a business gets involved. That's where everything should be illegal. You should not have a company backing a school and saying, hey, tell this player if you want to make this money, come here. It should be different. So you that's go controlling NIL. 
And that's what, and that's, and all I'm saying is, once they get to the school, they can make whatever they they can they can make, because they could just pick the school because I like this coach, I like the school, it's going to make me go further. I have a great education here. Then when I get there, I can say I want to sign with this company. That's what I'm saying needs to be regulated. Okay, but then we talk about high school players being able to get NIL deals. What's the difference? How's that any different? Same hey, thing. How, okay, it's so if thing. I if I'm at like, hey, I can sign college senior if whatever big's business to like to be like hey we're gonna sign you to this deal if you also go to this school we'll give you nil deal and tell people leaving north carolina to go that then hopefully it trickles down to high school and they they include high school in that as well because i don't want to see caleb foster leave north carolina simply to take nil money which is what happened well okay you're talking again federal legislation controlling nil deals i don't want any sort of federal legislation controlling what players can and cannot do regarding the money they make. It is simply, I set up an LLC. It's not about the amount of money. It's not about the amount it's, of money for me. It's about, it doesn't matter now. It's about the in- inducements. That's that's what it is. Inducements are going to, inducements are already there. Once you get to the there. school, you can make you can make a billion dollars. Inducements are already been there.